This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredibly attractive patrons, Michael Mays and Lisa French. If you want compliments from me, like them, you can support us by going to pitchdrop.cash and kicking in as little as a buck a month. Thanks for listening. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that is trying everything to get fired short of terrorism. This is Season 7, <laughs> Episode 7, covering the Damarung and Downtime in Xenosaga Episode 2 for the PS2. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him, and with me today is... Sybil Arnett, she, her... Ryan Beatty, they, them pronouns. Matt Marcus, he, him pronouns. What happened last time? Albedo's plan came to fruition when he stole the Y-Data from inside Momo's memory. On a galactic scale, this is horrifying because it means he just unsealed old Milsha. On a personal scale, we have no idea why it just led to him phasing out of reality to the point where Junior can no longer sense his heartbeat. Uh, later they will mention he phased into the Simeon. Also, there was a whole lot of retcon about Albedo and Rubido's past and their relationship. They shared a heart for months in the womb, which is weird given that they were artificially grown. Oh, yeah, huh? <laughs> uh, interesting. We pick back up with a narrated montage of everyone across the galaxy realizing Milsha is back. <laughs> this is... <laughs> the first. The, the Demiurge is back in town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> this is another one of those scenes that feels like it was recut real late in development because there are no subtitles and it's all voiceover. Yeah, it, this really felt like last season on Xenosaga, you know, it's like starting like the next season. Like th this is everything that's happening. It was a really weird thing. Yeah, what what it really feels like is all this shit was supposed to happen at the end af um, after the last dungeon. And that would have been an entire game in and of itself. Mm hmm. That's yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then this is I mean, it also has like season two of an anime vibe because uh, a whole bunch of people from episode one get reintroduced uh, this episode as well with a lot of fanfare, but not much backstory about who the fuck they are. I mean, hopefully you're not playing this without playing episode one first, but still. Unless you're in Europe. Hopefully you're not playing this period. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I completely forgot who Fibronia was. Is. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> also, just like season two of an anime, new robots. <laughs> new robots! Yeah. New toys. The main factions moving on this are the immigrant fleet, who are secretly under the control of the Space Pope and or the UTIC organization. They're here the to second... take our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, the second Milshan government and or Vector? And the Gnosis, who just reappeared in the story and reminded us that they like Zohars. Sorry, this is There's... biblical. They're here to take our jobs. 
<laughs> Did I miss the Gnosis? I don't remember seeing any Gnosis. They what? were in one of the montages. Okay, because like I did this yesterday, and I don't remember seeing any Gnosis. It's for like two seconds, and it's the first time mm-hmm. they've been here all game. I yeah. know, because like I almost forgot they were like entire like that's the whole thing in Xenosaga One. <laughs> yeah, you forget Gnosis. that Xenosaga yeah. One was the spirits within. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it 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 ex- so the first episode of ZZ Gundam is just a recap of the entirety of Zeta Gundam, but done with a plucky voiceover trying to narrate the most depressing uh, <laughs> uh, Gundam series in the whole world. Uh-huh. I haven't seen ZZ Gundam, but I have seen Zeta. That's so fucking funny. That's yeah, it's also yeah. definitely not true because victory exists. Right, but victory. Um, I don't believe is as depressing as Zeta for a lot of Tomino's ideology reasons, but this is not the cast for that. It's going to be in Super Robot Wars. Mm. We can figure it out ourselves. <laughs> oh, so boy. there's there's another narration-only montage. Shion and Alan rejoin Vector's team, and Helmer begins moving his forces into play. This one is way more slapdash than the last because it's really clear that they modeled some cutscenes and conversations between these characters and cut them into whatever we're seeing because there's some way too busy one-second shots or the fact that Shion, Alan, and Miyuki seem to be having a discussion of some kind that we're flipping through at a bunch of hyperspeed cuts. This was definitely a half-finished animatic we're salvaging in the game. Oof, that mm-hmm. Miyuki model, by the way, rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's also really indicative of some slapdash editing because the whole entirety of like the second half of Xenosaga Episode 1 and then a, a huge chunk of the beginning of Xenosaga Episode 2 are about all these like political machinations that uh, could potentially start a galactic space war. And this is the cutscene where the space war starts in earnest. And it's just like, oh, the war's here. And, it and a lot of it really, is off camera. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it really yeah. doesn't feel impactful at all. No, it sucks. <laughs> No, like the the immigrant fleet just like fucks up the Federation forces on its way to Milsha. And it's just mm-hmm. like, wow, that and the, the, the best part, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, a lot, is just how everyone's reacting to it. This yeah. and a scene later is what makes me go from uh Xenosaga 2 secretly good to Xenosaga 2 sucks, but I still like playing it right now. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it like it really disrespects the fiction that Xenosaga 1 spent the whole time being so careful about and building up. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, as as previously kind of hinted at, uh, Jin and Kanan are now just part of the same special forces team that we're a part of. Uh, and that happens with very little fanfare. But, you know, now we've it's just like our team of high level special forces people are... Um, a bunch of like sad misfits and uh, potential terrorists which is you know very anime how how the fuck did the elsa crew get roped into this oh well that's much <laughs> they're, later they're uh, juniors employees yeah that's oh, it. i guess that makes sense get yeah. but like <laughs> yeah but like it, it's just like okay helmer tells Jin, hey i got a mission for you and the mission is Oh, by the way, you're actually going to hang out with the Kukai Foundation this entire time. It's like, well, then why make it so secretive? Why pull this guy out <laughs> and be like, you're going to be on a secret mission when it's just like, we're just going to, you know, do the usual thing that the second motion government does. 
Um, between that and the fact that the Damarung is also a, like a civilian country on top of being a corporate research warship, and so all of the like millions of civilians on the Damarung just have to follow along with Wilhelm and Vector's whims about what kind of conflict they're going to get brought into. Real, uh, real shitty situation for anyone with a boss in the Xenosaga universe. Thank goodness that'll mm-hmm. never happen. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> we would just like to wish Elon Musk a very good explode in space. <laughs> All my homies wish Elon Musk a very pleasant explode in space. <laughs> the only way Amazon employees could be more disenfranchised. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> rough ass chuckle. Oh, I was not a rough one. <laughs> I work down the facility or down the block from one of their facilities, and you have never seen such fucking scowls. Buddy, oh, I, I worked in one of those facilities. Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. Then I moved to I the mean, United Natural Foods across the street. Yeah, I constantly yikes. think about just throwing a fucking Molotov at that building. It was very <laughs> bad before the robots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is also what Xion says. Yeah, <laughs> multiple people died of a heat stroke in our warehouse. Jesus, Jesus Christ! Oh, I'm sure that will happen here, given that we've been hitting a hundred recently. Mm-hmm. So back to the plot. Uh, Yuli Mizrahi, out of nowhere, wins Mom of the Year award. Uh, this time for the 14th year running, as she realizes that Momo is her own girl and not Sakura, and that they are two different women. Then she casually drops the line, the Sakura that Rubido described to me, because she never actually got uh, any grounding on her own daughter before she became uh, totally non-communicative. Yeah, this was weird, because like she shows up and like, oh yeah, the Sakura I knew was a tomboy, and you became a young, dependable women- woman, which is like, wait, those things are like opposite each other? But also, like, how do you know Sakura? Th- I mean... Where did that come from? That just kind of feels like it gets written in without any context. All my all my tomboys play the piano. Yeah. <laughs> she, <here's> the <laughs> like uh, now I got to put in the this is what tomboys are for post in the show notes. Because she was getting all of this information about her daughter through Junior, she presumed the child had a southern twang and also didn't have a thing for authority. Oh, that would be <laughs> incredible if that was the reason why. That makes a lot of sense here's the other thing is that i mean the mechanics of how yoki mizrahi designed momo i would have thought that he would have put some of sakura's personality in there and it seems like he did not either he couldn't or he chose not to i don't know but that thought that was weird he's like the guy who invented real dolls right just gonna gonna make the waifu of my dreams here well, the uh, <laughs> da, da, the fact that it's daughter, I wouldn't, I can't. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's nothing yeah, no, like his daughter no. is the problem. It only looks like his daughter. Stepriallians. Yeah. So <laughs> stepriallians. <laughs> I just yeah, it's stepriallians. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I can't let that go on. I commented on. <laughs> <laughs> How does that even work? Degossing my stepsister. Oh no, I'm stuck in this hole. I sure hope a gnosis doesn't come up behind me. My father's new realian wife has come on to me. What do I do? 
Uh, anyway, so we cut to Xi'an aboard the Demerung, and um, Yuki is trying to talk to her like a normal human being, and uh, Xi'an just uh, shuts it down, saying, we're in a crisis, this isn't a time for small talk. And the thing is, this is indicative of everybody at Vector. Like, every NPC you talk to in this, like, first section is just hilariously not giving a shit about Except how that serious one guy. this is. The one guy I feel bad for. Well, there, there's the the people who are, like, the communications people who are like, oh, my God, what happened? All of this, like, information on Milsha is back, and what yeah, the hell is going they're on? They're the only people who know what is actually going on. They're the people who are freaking out. Everyone else is like, uh, I wanted to go to the park today. Mm. Yeah, what is like, uh, I was going to have a shopping spree, or I was ah. about to go on vacation. There's there's that one that said, man, I joined this company, and I, like, got up to, like, the central headquarters, and my first job is to go to war, and I didn't sign up for this. And I'm like, no, you signed up two, for Vector fucking Industries. Those are two different people. The guy who it's his first assignment is very excited that it's this big. Oh, no, I'm thinking the, the woman in the... Uh, like she's in the, one of the, like the communications rooms at the table. Oh, yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. "Yeah, I just got transferred here, and my first big job is this goddamn war. What the hell?" <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm like, "What else did you expect?" Oh, I guess they don't always expect war, but it's still hilarious. But uh, Miyuki then goes, "Okay, Miss Business, how about you tell me why you haven't sent a single field use report on Cosmos yet to the brass?" And Shion conveniently ducks this because she goes to the Shadow Realm and Nephilim is there and uh, is very sad and distracts her. And Miyuki has no idea what's going on. She just thinks Shion is just spacing out. Depressions at her for a moment is the correct way to describe this. <laughs> yeah, I don't... <laughs> I, I, sure. <laughs> There's no dialogue. Um, she just shows up, glows sadly, and distracts Shion. I really <laughs> thought at this point point that Nephilim was trying to warn Shion not to send the Cosmos combat data to Wilhelm for some reason. It's it, it's like because every time she's like, ah, shit, I've got to send the data. I'm such a dunce. I'm such a ditz. That's when Nephilim shows up and, and looks all sad. And so I, I really thought that this was trying to be like a harbinger of, oh, shit, maybe Wilhelm's the baddie. Uh, we just get that in a different kind of scene five minutes later. Yeah. And then, yeah. nope, just turns out to be junior writers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, knowing what they do with this battle data that she's delayed for so long is really funny. I don't know what that is yet. Yeah, there is a payoff. Great. Okay, good to know. But anyway, Xion hangs up on Miyuki, and her immediate thought is, man, I am absolutely wired, but I need to calm down, and I know that Alan has some sedatives, so I should go <laughs> find Alan, get some downers, and then just take a nap, and this is, like, straight up, like, really the fucking dialogue. Like, I wanted to screen cap this. Oh, We're not joking. Later on, she goes, I'm so excited. Maybe, are, are, you, are you sure those were sedatives? No, no, no. That's what Al- Alan's like, oh, you're too hyped up for this. Why did I accidentally give her stimulants? destroy company property. Did I give you an upper? Which is, mm-hmm. Alan just has like a secret pharmacy is incredible plot twist. Yeah, well, it's I mean, amazing. Just, I, I mean, like, look, given how much Alan gets like you know, wound up by Xion being Xion. Like, I could imagine he could use a downer or two every now and then. Absolutely. Hell, she probably could here and there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but Chief, it's just you very funny that... tired accidentally stabbing her with a syringe. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing that she knows Alan has these on hand. Like, in his mm-hmm. pocket. Uh, 
At this point, we could wander around the Tamarung for a little. The goal is to find Alan and get tired. Um, when we're done, we talked to all the NPCs. We already discussed all the NPC dialogue. Shoutouts to the guy repairing the elevator who says, come back later, which me- which you know means immediately after the next flag. Yep. Mm-hmm. When we're done, we put Xi'an in bed and have some more psychic visions. Fabronia appears in front of the Zohar, and she pleads with us again to free her siblings from their, like, horrible ghost tree prison. As she does, Nephilim appears and spells out what Xi'an hasn't realized. She's just like, go to old Milsha, Selsily and Kath are there. (laughs) Right, and so this is just, like, one of those moments where... Fabronia, Cecily, and Cass show up in just a couple of scenes of episode one, and they're important scenes, but the game goes out of its way not to give you that old context of who they were at all. So, like, Fabronia is an adult Reallian, and Cecily and Cass are uh, two Reallians who are stuck as children. Fabronia also had a romance with Lieutenant Virgil from last game, and I think that something about the tragedy of the end of their romance is what got him hooked on DME, which is the drug made out of Reallian blood. Which I is... have that context if you want it. Okay. It's that during one of the wars, she was a casualty, and he did have to eat her to survive. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sucks when you have to eat your robot wife to survive. And so Cecily and Kath are, yeah, trapped within the Zohar. They have something to do with kind of keeping the Zohar in place the way that it kind of exists now. And so uh, what that that's like the highest level overview of, wait, who the fuck were these people again that I can come up with right now? Yeah, they're stuck in the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alan comes in and interrupts. Xian just tries to run past him. And he's like, where are you going? And she's like, I'm going to old Milsha. I love his response because he's like, Oh, yeah, I hear it's pretty romantic this time, but Milsha! Uh, uh, <laughs> do we have the own on him at the, when they get in the ship later? I, we'll talk oh. about it, because I was I was yeah. going to bring it up. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so, but we'll bring it up. Great. Carry on. But despite the ship being in a state of emergency and a galactic stalemate on over the path to old Milsha, Shion has come up with a plan. Just steal some more shit Kevin was working on before he died. That way they can arrive without using the UMN. It's um Cosmos's whip, right? Yeah. It's a Wait, jet it's that's sitting in the basement of the Damarong. Mm. Yeah. It's the it's the it's like the hover bike that turns into the ES later. Oh so, yeah, the Corelander. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just like how many Deus ex machinas can one dead boyfriend have? Honestly. A lot and they're literal. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love that like um, the Mach- potential... Machina the- S- D- X Deus is what they really are. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so, also, I love the fact that, like, there is hyperspace travel, the, the potential for hyperspace travel, or at least extremely high-speed travel, that doesn't use the UMN, that he just kept as a double secret within Vector, and also it on the double secret Vector floor that anybody who can, you know, do hacks can access. Just great, great all around. Well, it's like hidden inside. It's like there's just like a secret bookcase in their like a warehouse. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. To be fair, 
anyone who is not Xion would probably have been murdered trying to get to this. There's a lot of robots. True. Oh my god, the OSHA hazard that is that giant tilting glass floor. Yes. <laughs> Fuck it. Over, over water? Why? Finds out yeah. the ass. Yeah. That's like you just you have to sign a release just to enter that room. <laughs> Dude, please. They sign that release as a condition of being hired. You know how corporations are. Oh, yeah. We cannot allow Teamsters in that room because if they have to move a crate under that thing, it is so many violations. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the plan to reach this jet is to blow up a bunch of security in the hangar. And this is where Alan openly wonders, did I give her a stimulant instead of a sedative because she is so excited to destroy property of the company they work for? Mm. And she doesn't mention anything like, by the way, this spooky ghost girl that I keep seeing has told me that I need to go do this, so that's why I'm so gung-ho. Like, that just never brings it up. gimmick of this dungeon is that you only actually have Xion in combat. Alan does not appear. They do not let Alan fight. And yet. so at yet. And so as a result, the enemies here are pretty simple. One kind of enemy wastes a lot of turns just asking you to disengage your weapon. And two, they are all mechs, and so they're all weak to Xion's electric attacks. This is the closest that the game kind of gets to a traditional JRPG battle system of just, like, hit attack not to die. Stocking and boosting will help, but it's not nearly the dance that other uh, multi-party or multi It's really hard to get... Are. It's really hard to get in, right? Because the rules are that you can't be on the um, the turn order list, so you have to do it when you're last, and you have, like, five frames to get it in before the turn order list refreshes. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really tight. Yeah. Yeah, not really worth trying that hard. It's tight, but not tight. Mm. Yeah, the, the funny thing about this is if you go into the menu there's a little section in the bottom right corner that has extra it's just the extra box and it just has alan's name in it this entire <laughs> dungeon <laughs> and i when i noticed that that i just was like why did he even put that there what does it matter <laughs> yeah they went out of their way to be like oh yeah by the way alan's here uh but he's mm-hmm. not in your party that's what happens when you can't tell your boss no <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah true uh-huh so Because this is just a single combat dungeon, the gimmick of the dungeon is then that it is a series of puzzle rooms, essentially. And they each have different puzzle mechanics, some of them more successful than others. Uh, Some of them contain really terrible design decisions. Mm -hmm. So there is a Decoder 18 door that is hiding behind just this, like, hit it repeatedly section. 
There's also a mini game based around the timing of when you hit a dialogue box to fire a cannon and, you know, you have to account for the lag. And also the first box that you successfully explode isn't the one that actually releases the item. So it's you the could third one, even if you leave and come back, it tracks the state. Yeah. No, but here's like the you... thing. It's even. Are you sure? Because I definitely blew up about 10 of these before it triggered. Weird. Yeah, no, it's it's on an uh, RNG thing, and you can blow up a whole bunch of these boxes, not think there's anything in there, and just walk away. At least there is, like, a visual cue for when to shoot. It's, like, when it crosses the vehicle closest, when it's in the middle of that, you'll always hit. It's a pretty wide window, too. Like, yeah. if, as long as, like, the box is, like, right before the edge of the text box, like, confirming text box, like, you'll hit it. Yeah. But I, I just like blew up a box and when nothing popped, I was like, oh, neat, just a little visual Easter egg. That's a nice little bit of dungeon ecology. And then I remembered it was Xenosaga episode two and they love making you repeat shit to get stuff. It's also mm-hmm. possible to look at this thing and then hit the button and just go, oh, a gun fired. And because of the delay on the boxes, you can do all of this between one being on screen and not realize there's anything to this. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, did you hit the other did you use the other gun? Because there are two guns on top of the ship in the middle of the hangar. Oh, yeah. yeah you have to use the other, the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I that, love, part is, that part is great. <laughs> I love the flavor because Alan's like, Chief, you shouldn't fire that. And your options are, oh, shut up, you baby. Parentheses. Do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because um, you have this giant, like, gun on the top of this. I guess it's a gunship. And you just blow up a tanker. <laughs> Yeah, and like they they really animate that explosion very very well. And I think they also have like a couple of camera angle cuts to get a good look at it. Is really mm-hmm. funny. So the next puzzle room that we get to is like an infinite box room. It's not actually infinite. There are just there are a ton of boxes here, and you break towers of them and try to create a path from one uh, upper catwalk to another upper catwalk. There is also a a segment address hidden mm-hmm. behind one of the walls. And thankfully, in one of the few mercies that Xenosaga Episode 2 gives you, if you solve the puzzle by blowing up the right boxes in the right order, there are also like three or four unbreakable boxes that complicate the puzzle. If you solve it and then go oh shit, I needed to figure, I needed to like look at the back wall to get the segment address. When you hit the reset button uh, to reset the puzzle, it resets it back to the solved state instead of the beginning state. Oh, no, Thank it didn't do God. that for me. Oh, it, well, oh, it, it doesn't did. do, it updates the state when you leave the room with it successfully solved. Because right. I had to come oh. back later for the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you know what? That's probably what I should have done because I solved it and said, oh, I can't get to the segment address. I guess I have to blow this up and do the puzzle again, which is exactly what I did because I didn't even leave the room. Yeah, oh, that's the most Xenosaga move is that you don't know that this flag triggers. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, no. yeah. There's nothing that tells you that all of a sudden, like if it made a noise and been like, okay, that's the new like state now, that would have been great because like I saw, thankfully it's not that hard to redo it. You know, once you solve it, it's fine. But it was really, really dumb. (laughs) This is my favorite room in the game. (laughs) Valhalla is real, and it's a room with a thousand boxes to blow up. Yeah. Chris, Um, did you ever play Marvel Ultimate Alliance? No, because those games suck. They're very boring. There was a set of challenge levels in the second one. 
And they were based, you know, some of them were based around different characters. Hey, do this much damage, whatever. One of them was simply a destruction challenge where they threw you into a warehouse and all you had were rooms full of crates, five deep, pallet jacks, forklifts, racks. Just smash everything. See how much damage you could do before a timer ran out. You uh, would have loved uh, it. Uh, uh, yeah. Love it. Blow um, stuff the, up. Great. The the one little bit, the, the final little bit of bullshit uh, in this room, which I generally like, is that um, the 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 blow shit up targeting system is oh, so bad it's, it's really rough. bad and so if you are just spamming the explode button you could very easily accidentally target the wrong box and have to reset the room which again minor time tax yeah like the weird part about it is that if you're facing one direction like let's say you're facing up you don't necessarily target the thing right in front of you first you like it'll target mm-hmm. the thing to your right the targeting algorithm is slow and takes a while to update. So you be, like have to wait for it to settle into your new center. You both mm-hmm. know there's a button that you can push to retarget, right? Yeah, but that no. sucks. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, uh, I, I knew there was a button, and then I forgot which one it was. And then at that point, I'm just like, as long as I walk close enough to it, it'll it'll switch over eventually. It's just that I can't... I have to be very deliberate not mashing the button. Mm-hmm. And I want to mash the button. It's fun to blow yeah. shit up. It is. And then uh, additionally, the next puzzle after that is a conveyor belt room where there are these conveyor belts that are like this series of mazes that drop down to a bunch of rooms uh, below that also have enemies in them. This and... is what an Amazon warehouse is like. <laughs> oh, yes. Fuck. Here's your yes. boss. And so like you, you cannot outpace the pace of the conveyor belt and so you can only start walking against it to stand still and so you have to reach certain key points where you hold in place in order to knock two different boxes off into the basement and unlock treasures well the fucked up thing about this is that when you do the the um the animation to like kick because at least the person i have you know is she on and she does a kick yeah the top right one is the problem Yeah, the top right one, because what happens is you move, you keep moving with the belt. And if you're in the wrong spot, if you're just a little too far away from the box, you will do the animation and just whiff. And I whiffed on this one like twice. It does suck, but I like that there are like really like solid internal physics for this. Like um, it's like the roof in um, whatchamacallit in the first game, right? where moving horizontally eats up some of your forward momentum and you slide backwards when you try to readjust your position. And I like that. It's like more considered than it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, I just wish that like if I can target the box and I hit the button, I should hit the box. <laughs> Instead, why, why I, can't I, I would stand target... still on this treadmill? But the, the, the contact should have been like, come on, like you can't, you can't have a window where it's like you can target it and you can start the animation, but by the time the animation actually is done, you have missed the box completely. Yeah, it's You're harder than it's, it, it looks harder than it seems, but you can hit it through the wall, which is why it's way easier than it seems. Yeah, which, which is what I did eventually. But like the first time I tried to go on the side, you know, the sideways conveyor belt to get a better, uh-huh. to get what I thought was a wider window on it. And that was a mistake because it just pushed me further away. Ugh. I spent too much time in this one room 
going around this circle, especially because when you drop down, you have to go back. If you don't end up fighting anything immediately, you still have to like sneak around the one in the main hall, which Mm -hmm. will sometimes spot you immediately. Although thankfully, if you just stand near the door, it'll just eventually go away. But it's still a time tax. You can just use the elevator also. Well, no, no, I use the elevator. You have to go around. It's like further enough away from yeah, the, yeah, yeah. from the elevator. You still can get into a fight. All I'm saying is that you don't have to go through everything. There's a lot of shortcutting in the dungeon. But also, like, because you're just playing with Shion and because these enemies are easy, they also give you a lot of experience and skill points. And so <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. like level 30 it, now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. And so like avoid like, you know, it, Having to fight those same security robots over and over again is annoying, but also it is rewarding numbers-wise. Yeah, we should yeah. point out this is one of the few dungeons that has most of the enemies respawn. Mm-hmm. Well, on top of that, they respawn in the fight, right? Like if you get the security drone and then the right. big guy, if you blow up the big guy, just more of them come in. And the security drone never does anything to you other than say, stop resisting. Yep. Yeah. This place is meant to be farmed, but it also makes some of these puzzles incredibly unpleasant to traverse because usually you can clear a room and be done, but we don't know how behind your Shion is, so we're giving you a lot of rope to hang yourself with. Which, the the funny thing is, you you do so much damage. Like, I came back here with a party in order to, you know, clean up some of the, uh, like, the segment addresses and stuff, and everybody else does shit damage to these guys. Like, under 100 or like maybe 200 per hit and like you know Xi'an can just destroy one of these things with like two stock well that's because she does electrical damage yeah but like the multiplier is huge yeah anyway so after we get through this part we go up some staircases and we get to one of the dumbest puzzles in the entire game at least so far that I've seen I love it it's so fucking funny (laughs) well the 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 fucked up part is just how badly it signals how it works. Well, yeah, so, it te- what it tells you makes you think you're supposed to blow up all the ones on your side. Mm-hmm. Not just that, but like, okay, so let's just lay it out. There's this enormous pane of glass, and it's on top of eight different boxes, four on each side, and it's over this giant pool of water, I guess. It, it looks bottomless. It's really weird, but it, there's definitely water there. So you're, you're supposed to blow up three of the boxes on the left side, like three out of the four. And then you're supposed to stand in the back corner, like all the way into the corner so that the glass tips up and that'll let you get out of the room. However, if you want to get the decoder, I believe it's decoder eight. You have to then go to the opposite corner and stand just in like way in the corner. And that gets the pane to flip the other way and breaks one of the boxes. And then out of that box, comes a chest which then floats back the other way to where you started <laughs> and then you go pick it up which is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous it's wild and again this is not the worst thing that will lock you out of a segment decoder in this segment yeah 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 well the, the thing that bothered me about it is like i you know i i'm playing with the guide here they're like stand in the corner and i'm standing like you know the, there's some um patterns you can see on the glass and there was one that's kind of looks like, oh, this looks like a, the spot where you would need to stand. So you'd go and you stand there and nothing happens. And then you're like, how long do I have to stand here? You, you literally have to walk into against the corner to get this to trigger at all. And it doesn't give you any indication that it was moving at all before that. So really obnoxious. But uh, 
the wind tunnel room is in here if you want to mention it. I didn't think. Oh, it yeah, yeah. Good. I was about to say, like, I, I remember yeah, after this, there's a wind tunnel uh, with a couple of mech fights in there. You just run until you hit the button and turn it off. And then you go up an elevator and then you get ambushed. And that's pretty much all the fights that you're going to have. Uh, so at that point, <laughs> I love yeah. this wind tunnel as like from a real world. Think about how this operates as a place, right? Like imagine having your day job be where you work in the wind tunnel where you can just like get blown out of the back of this ship because that's what it looks <laughs> like is behind you. Oh, oh, incredible. Yeah. And I just love how there's just randomly this enormous elevator in the middle of this that, wind tunnel that that's just what goes made up. me think about it right this elevator doesn't have any railings and is in the middle of a wind tunnel yeah like imagine like if that elevator is going up while the wind tunnel is open it just gets blown over and destroyed <laughs> right uh, yeah you know that's that's experimental technology for you uh you know vector just has to break a few eggs to uh to get to the heart of what is truly all about which is yeah. progress I guess the only way this makes sense is that, like, the hangar is upstairs. You put, like, your ship on the elevator and bring it down into the wind tunnel to test it. But the elevator is not large enough to fit anything that could fly <laughs> that big, unless you're talking about the motorcycle. Reminder, Vector's corporate safety record is, we made a robot that killed an entire team and one of our lead scientists We've revived and upgraded it twice, and it still keeps activating without any sort of controls. So mm -hmm. let's keep giving it more weapons. They accidentally mm -hmm. programmed in Asimov's Law. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, finally, we get to the ship that we're not supposed to recognize is an ES yet. And Alan gets in. Shion is, like, climbing up, and then some Realian guards show up. Alan then blows up uh, some containers nearby and just sort of doesn't kill any guards but sort of gets them off his off their back and and she just goes great job alan that was really good and how it's like yeah you can do anything you know with the power of love and she's like what yeah. did you say something specifically the his his direct quote is it's all part of being a man and there's the a lot of talk of about that <laughs> there's a lot of talk about being a man and are you man enough and that was a thing a man should do or yeah. It's very yeah. weird. It comes out of nowhere. Well, that's that's, that's so, how, I mean... It's so funny, though, because it's all focused on owning Alan. Exactly. <laughs> it's the, So, like, Alan says it when he's feeling puffed up, and then Shion uh, throws it back in his face later when he fucks up. Well, um, the thing is, no, Shion is... brings it up first. That was the thing that got me, is that Alan was, like, worried about something, and she's like, aren't you a man? <laughs> and no, that, that happens started after. started the whole thing. I'm pretty sure that she said it first, which is what made it really funny to me. It, no, so it then she says it also later in this. Yeah, it happens on the also later. Okay, I, like th this is just an ongoing thing, and it's just right. very, it's just so goofy, especially because we're talking about Alan here. Yeah, <laughs> we. I also like uh, just a little bit of characterization before we go. Before we do all this dungeon, Alan's like, "Well, how how are we supposed to get in then to this super locked facility?" And Shion just says, "Brute force." which is great. Mm -hmm. Cop in the making. Yeah. So we end the scene with Shion and Alan buzzing the tower where Wilhelm, the CEO, is looking out and uh, he's just kind of talking to him. He's basically saying, oh, excellent, a tax write-off. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he knows this was going to happen. And uh, during this scene, 
The Red Testament appears, informing Wilhelm that Albedo has ascended. And Wilhelm says that someone has to play the villain in this case. And the Red Testament says, yeah, sure, I guess. And just walks out uh, per his orders. These sentences, even as the person who wrote the notes, are so fucking dumb with or without context. But there is no better way to describe the basic, we needed a transitional scene nature of this exchange. Ugh, it, it's like, it, it sucks so bad because it is the moment where Wilhelm fully reveals that he's manipulating multiple sides in the conflict to try to get what he wants. And so it should be a reveal, but instead is exposition that doesn't have any definition to it because we still don't know who this third villain even is the the whole time it's just you know someone has to play the villain and then later a big fuck a fleet shows up which i'm sure we'll get into later but like oh my god i was just like all right who and who cares this whole scene it was just like who who and who cares we should also point out we're making this sound like it flows naturally into one the cutscene ends with Wilhelm's, ah, yes, just according to plan, grin. And then we cut to an unvoiced segment where he and the Testament just sort of talk back and forth as puppets and then leave. That mm, sucks. It's real weird. The present, yeah. the presentation here is so bad and lets down, like, <clears throat> this, is, this is the scene that I'm mad about, right? This and the next immediate thing where not only do they disrespect like the narrative that they've been building, they also just don't even care about the presentation that they were so careful for, for like a game and a half. Mm -hmm. Like the game just stops giving a shit right here. I, I, I have to think that it wasn't so much. They gave a shit. They were not sure how to make it better in the time frame and resources that they had. And they just, they fucked it up, clearly. But that, yeah, but that, that is a problem with the game. I don't care what the reason is. It makes the oh, game better. Sure. sure, but that, that there's a difference between like not caring if it's good and not being able to make it good. When I say the game doesn't give a shit, that doesn't employ, imply that the employees don't give a shit. Fair, 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 fair. It also just very funny because it's, the, you know, first-time writers and first-time like game directors trying to forge their own path and then getting hamstrung by budgetary concerns and also like timing concerns because they're first timers like it's just mm -hmm. if this upcoming know, scene looked like the intro it would have been fucking rad instead yeah. it just is completely oh, yeah. weightless with bad music bad voice acting and it has absolutely zero impact oh my god mm -hmm. the music we got to talk about the music so what happens is Shion reappears on screen in the mech. Uh, well, in the mech plane. Uh, it's a plane that we, turns out to be a mech later. And a black and red mecha appears and is pulling maneuvers that, quote, would kill a human and um, buffeting their craft with lasers. And Shion screams. And then we cut to the Damarung. Scientists are horrified as Cosmos starts up again despite not having her reactor installed. And this lands like a fart instead of being sick as hell, like in uh, Xenosaga 1. She walks out of her coffin with a new design where half of her is translucent and looks water-cooled. And a uh, very good joke here. Uh, Cosmos V2, sponsored by Razer Gaming LEDs, proceeds to turn her coffin <laughs> yeah. into, a, into a sick motorbike, which uh, then has these really dumb things that unfold to either side of her head that do absolutely nothing. I don't know what that's about. 
She does some tricks that make the science team piss themselves. And when they finally say, what's going on? Where are you going? And she just says, Shion is calling me. And then like a little hollow runway appears in front of her. She just like fucking ramps off it out into space. What the hell is that thing? <laughs> what is this Presumably ramp? like through a window. Those guys are like <laughs> yeah. vented into space now, I guess. They're on uh, second Milsha. Okay. And then everyone is like, wait, where's Shion? So the Cosmos now has transwarp capability, and um, she offs all of the little funnels around, and the mecha itself teleports out when Cosmos fires a huge beam at it. And then uh, the jet transforms, and she lands in it like a little core lander in G Gundam. And surprise, Mm -hmm. it's an ES, the ES Dina. And then the Elsa shows up and picks everybody up. The music here is hilarious. It's It's called uh, fucking bad. It's called Here She Comes. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, there's like there's another one called Here He Comes, which was when Albedo showed up. But uh, this this one sounds like if you tried to make like techno wedding music, like someone walking down the aisle, but wanted to like spice it up with some synths. Like it's so goofy, buddy. This should have been fucking horns. Drop your Korg. Put some fucking horns in here, dude. Uh it was. Yeah. It's. I'm cutting it in absolutely into this episode because even as I was listening through like the tracks on my own in prep for this season, I'm like, oh, this one, this one's good. <laughs> and immediately after this cutscene is when I typed into our Discord, Xenosaga 2 fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. The just I'm remembering distantly the dramatic space opera orchestral soundtrack of episode one and just imagining if any of that kind of orchestral soundtrack existed here and just how much better this scene would have been. It really, I mean, it's terrible. Some of it is in here. Like, you know, especially like the original, like the tracks at the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. Very cinematic. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. That's why I made it like the start of every episode because it fucking owns. Like the second half of Jin's music in one of his fights is incredibly good. It's just there's these weird spots where it's just really lame. It's just really lame. Mm hmm. Chris, did you mention the thing where NPCs just didn't have faces for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, The best part is it happened in the scene while Obito, like, blows his head off. So it (laughs) it grew back and there was just some hair instead. But I thought you were saying there was a bunch of it on the Damarung. Oh, yeah, I pasted screenshots. Yeah. I posted them in video games. Go check it out. Nice. 
My favorite is the guy named Whittler is missing his legs and arms. Yeah. Uh-huh. That means you have fucked up at whittling. Well, no, he's, the, whittle- he's the whittlest because he doesn't have any legs. Oh, uh, whittle as in W-I, not as in W-H-I. Okay. Yeah, his name is Whittler, literally. It's so good. <laughs> I think he was Whittler like he was going to start giving blade weapons. All right. So now we are free to explore the new Elsa. There are two side quests available here. The first is teaming up with a robot bartender to develop a hangover cure for Captain Matthews. This is the one you look up on the internet. Oh, mm-hmm. it's very easy if you pay it, if you like listen to the other robots. I didn't want to talk to these robots. Okay. The robots are all really funny, though. I talked to them later, like, except for the one <laughs> Captain Matthews beats us to death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> dark as hell. It's like, oh, when Captain Matthews is hung over, he just takes all of his anger out on us, and we have enough sapience and sentience to be afraid of it and to feel bad when it happens. <laughs> Please make just, this so uh, he doesn't kill us. Oh my god. Supremely fucked. There's more uh, there's more fun details to this, like the fact that Captain Matthews is not down here and hung over. You are instead testing these concoctions on a Captain Matthews robot uh-huh. with his tastes. Uh-huh. And, and the, the, okay, there's we have to describe what this is made an- out of. Real quick, there's also the robot brain analyzer that shuts down the oh, entire yeah. ship so Matthew, Captain Matthews doesn't take care of his robots as a result. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I love when you talk to that robot and you say, I don't want to learn about this monitor. He's like, yeah, you didn't really need to know about that anyway. <laughs> but uh yeah so the actual drink that they're making you are mixing three ingredients the only three non-alcoholic liquids on the ship presumably other than whatever fuel runs this thing it's orange juice tomato juice and coffee and you have to mix yeah. the three of those in the right proportions <laughs> and fucking disgusting <laughs> i could imagine that being pretty good yeah, I could I could get behind this in small doses. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, especially especially as a tomato juice. Care? Yes. Oh, tomato juice I is like good. I like tomato ass. juice. I love Bloody Marys, but like I wouldn't put like orange juice and coffee in it. Have Bloody you ever Marys had V8? Fucking gross. I've had V8. This is just V8, dude. Oh, so much worse than V8. Are you kidding me? No, it's V8. It's V8 with some coffee in it. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. So no, thank you. If you are going to do any post-game, this quest is supremely vital. Because they don't tell you, but this quest can be failed. You only get five tries. They do tell you that. They, they Did do they? tell okay, you I, They say we only have enough supplies to do it X times. Got it. B, the number of tries you take determines your reward, which is the first arm for Erde Kaiser. If you do it in one or two tries that arm will have a slash element. Three or four tries will be a pierce element. Five tries is thunder, and six means you failed forever and cannot build Erde Kaiser in this run. Also, you can't finish the segment address list, and you will miss some GS campaigns. Don't fail this quest. So wait, I I think what my guide said was that the elements have to do with the final summon when you have the entire robot, not just the arm summon. Well, the arms yes. are what determine what type of damage. Right, right, right. I, I just wasn't sure, because like when you when you bring the arms to the guy, he's like, okay, you can do this 
uh, attack sure. now. You have this. What he's saying yeah. is they customize like the damage of the final result, not the first result. This comes back yeah. to play at the end. Yeah, right, the right. reason the element matters is if you have slash and pierce, you can combo more often than if you have thunder. And there's a whole lot of spreadsheet shit people have run on this. X number of things in the game are weak to thunder versus slash or pierce, etc. Fucking nerds. Just get a physical element. <laughs> yeah, I aced it in one try because I actually listened <laughs> to the robot's feelings and didn't know any of this shit and was just like, oh, that was fun. Yeah, I, yep. I had forgotten that they were like all named after like cocktails and drinks and stuff. Uh, that's so depressing to me is that this <laughs> sapient robot is just named Moscow Mule. Uh, that was the and, best. And just like, so Captain Matthews has the same voice actor, I think, or at least yes. it, yeah, if he, it's a different. It okay, yeah. Captain yeah. Matthews has the same voice actor and like he is one of the most charming deliveries in the game. He's one of the few people who's like been able to outperform the new voice director. And so like, I really want to fucking love him. And then I find out that he's just like a horrific, abusive alcoholic. It, it turns out caution, caution. I am boozer. Wasn't a funny joke. Right. <laughs> did, did you guys read the sign above the bar? Because no. like the oh. bar says like, like, like dining drinks and robots like it names the robots as so, one of the features captain matthews is like hey i remodeled the elsa you really better look around and then 50 percent of the elsa has been replaced with a bigger bar yes <laughs> also uh, if you talk to certain other robots on the ship you will get more horrifying details about what being non-organic life around captain matthews is like one of them is just going Hey, I'm, you know, get out of my way. You're taking up so much space. This is what I have learned from interacting with Captain Matthews every time I need to make a <laughs> Yeah. Pass. Oh. Yeah. That one or, was oh, so woof. Or woof. the guy who's like, I make fertilizer. Don't tell Captain Matthews or he'll try to steal my hustle. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's also the one that is the girl for some reason. They yes, don't the elaborate female on it. robot. She's pink. Yeah. Yeah. And. She says something about knowing something unladylike, which had to do with, I think, the professor. Yeah, it's something it's, about a, un, a swimsuit or something. Yep. Yeah, oh. it's, if you have if you got the geriatric swimsuit, which is I thought the geriatric swimsuit was for Ziggy, but it's actually for the professor. It makes has, him look like the guy um, in one piece. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Whatever that guy's name is. Two piece. Yeah. And and so she's yeah, the the lady robot is just like, oh, yeah, this geriatric swimsuit uh, makes this old man look like a scantily clad pervert. Yuck. <laughs> and he's just um, like wearing a hat and a shirt and some shorts. Yeah. Incredible. Well, and so it's and, Roshi and, with a straw hat. Yeah, right. And so, but it's also, she's the person who you talk to to trigger him putting on the swimsuit. And so she's like, yeah, it's really fucking gross. P.U. Uh, so do you want to do it? And then you pick yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't have that swimsuit. I somehow missed it. Uh, oh, mm. and you can have multiple robot parts and start the robot academy now. And just mm-hmm. the cliffhanger of Captain Matthews comes down and says, What the fuck is this? I said you could build a repair bay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it's oh it's like, how will the professor and the assistant Scott deal with this? Gl- so gl- love that assistant Scott is back. Yeah. Shout yeah. out. I guess we should say the Robot Academy is just part of the Elsa now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love the rope and dope involved with getting the Robot Academy installed under the premise of it being a new mech repair bay. Yeah. Uh, another little, like, frustrating detail about how the side quest economy and the side quest, like, structures work is that two of the robots on the Elsa seem to have, they talk about key items that make it sound like they're going to be part of the looty flower planting quest. But if you haven't activated that quest yet, all they're doing is talking about it and you can't actually advance shit. And so I don't know if they're part of the quest or if they just are petty about owning fertilizer and flower seeds. I I, I don't know yet. He's actually making truck bombs or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I will have my revenge on Captain Matthews. <laughs> uh but so here's here's the thing most of the rest of the quests the side quests are gonna unlock after the ormus stronghold which is why you, you probably can't do anything right now it's because it hasn't i don't think that one has opened up yet the even weirder part is that there are like two or three that open up after you visit old milsha right after the stronghold so if you want to unlock all the quests you can you will finish the next dungeon go into the next one and then back out and then you can access pretty much all of the ones yep. that aren't clear file so weird there's a lot of very poor flagging at this point mm -hmm. is it me or did we skip over the second the payoff matthews deck quest yeah we, we've talked about that mm -hmm. quest We've uh, mentioned previously? it. This is the one yeah. where you start it as a GS campaign. Mm -hmm. Until now, you could just be feeding items to the guy on second Milsha, but you would not finish it unless you were a psychopath or cheating. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So then eventually when the player, as Xion, decides that she's done exploring Elsa Mark II, you all eventually take off for old Milsha. Everyone, literally everyone is here on the ship. Uh, Ziggy and Momo are here. Junior and Chaos are here. Jin and Kanan are here. And of course, <laughs> Shion and Cosmos just showed up. And uh, Alan. It, well, yes. Poor Alan. <laughs> Everyone's got their reasons to go to Milsha, but Cosmos raises a terrible point. We're getting on the road after everyone else. Driving up the front way will likely lead to us getting caught in the conflict because, once again, the immigrant fleet and the Federation are all are both making a beeline towards the newly discovered Milsha or the newly revealed Milsha. Momo then is like, well, okay, but what if we just go right between the two black hole gravity wells that had been hiding old Milsha this whole time? Um, and of course, <laughs> Tony, the hotshot pilot, is just like, uh, it, it, <laughs> he hears this ridiculous plan and is just all in. He's like, you just give me a route and I'll man the controls. So like last game, she totally outflew his ass. So like, why would Tony not hand the controls over to Momo? Because it's Tony. Of course he wants to be the one to do it. Yeah. He thinks he's hot shit. Yeah. And he wants, he probably also wants to show her up, you know, or mm -hmm. at least like impress her. I don't know, whatever. It's this feels completely in character and hilarious because as soon as he starts, he's like, oh, shit, like none of the controls work here. Like, this is just like flying blind. <laughs> like, this sucks. Radar. Like, yeah, dude. Radar doesn't work is my favorite one. What is radar doing in space? <laughs> that is a good question. So everything seems to be going OK until a gate out occurs and the Utix stronghold Ormus appears directly it says in the notes here in the black holes is taint. Yeah. It does. It is, a, that. it is directly in the middle. 
that uh-huh. narrow strip uh-huh. right in between the orifices. <clears throat> yeah, but it, it also, uh, it looks, have we seen this thing before? Because, like, it looks like a giant flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think this is the stem. first time. I, I think we've seen it briefly in a cutscene as, like, an external shot. So, because Utic and the immigrant fleet are had had been vaguely connected before, and because we kind of know the architecture of the other of the other kind of ships in play here, I did not realize that this was Utic's stronghold. I thought that this was a just like a surprise third player in this game, and so it wasn't until I'm reading these notes right now that I realized that it is Utic's stronghold. Yeah, because Margulis is head of Utic, right? Yes. Yep. So technically he's under the Pope who is the head of both factions, but the Pope is public as the head of the immigrant fleet. Correct. So and the red robot was Orgula. Uh, The red robot was the Testament. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I, I think we, Delighted over the part where uh, we saw Margulis talk to the Pope. and <laughs> The best but... part of this podcast is that I'll understand the plot. <laughs> we we skipped that scene because it's just Margulis going, the immigrant fleet is in place. Well, you'd better do something, Margulis. Yes. <laughs> so Utik is still here after Momo, I guess? Uh, they want what's on Milsha. They were after Momo trying to get the Y data. Right, but that's now why they they're Milsha. that's why they're blocking the Elsa, right? Because otherwise yeah. the immigrant fleet already has old Milsha. Right. Well, and from context clues in this episode, they're blocking the Elsa on the orders of Wilhelm to awaken uh, our party of anime misfit special forces people. Wilhelm has nothing to do with this party. Oh, because it happens so soon after Wilhelm says something about the villain, that's I, I thought that this was Wilhelm's plan. No, I here. think the Testaments operate independently. Yeah. Okay. His move was sending the Testament to get Cosmos into space. Yeah, this yeah. is confusing. Like, I also did not know what faction this was. I just knew they were bad guys. They they replaced all the philosophy convolution with just who are these bad guys convolution and from episode one to episode two. So there's nothing anyone can do. They can't dodge around this fleet because uh, they'll end up in a black hole and die. So Matthews gives the order to remove all of the weapon safeties, put their shields up and fire everything and try to blast their way into the belly of the giant ship that just appeared. And there's also a fleet with it. Didn't mention they're getting shot at by like a whole bunch of other like warships. Yeah. They got a bunch of options. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I know it looks cool, but it really bugs me that the lasers curve and then go straight. That is weird. It's awesome though. That's sick, dude. Yeah. Those are gravity. But I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, it looks cool, but then I go like, that's not how physics works. Whatever. So next to a black hole, it is. Black holes bend light. Fuck off. Wait, but they all bend them in the same direction straight. So they they were trying to shoot in all directions, and then they all end up going forward. <laughs> if it's an anime, yes. Yeah, they have they have computers to calculate that. Yeah, it's anime, is, Matt. This is an <laughs> Itano circus uh, interacting with two black holes, which is uh, yeah, just pretty an, sick. The, those are anime yeah. physics. Like I, I just thought the ships were just shoot like that all the time. So, like, anyway, while we're talking about that, we might as well just say 
the ES Dina in ship form is just a Veritech fighter. Mm. It lo- it, yeah, it is not very cool. Momo loves it, though. Yeah, it's named mm-hmm. after a lady, and I like ladies because they're very strong. <laughs> More female WMDs. Yeah, good I, news. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait till we hit episode three. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys heard that, but there was like a giant like thunderstorm break outside. I don't know if that oh, picked up no. on mic. <laughs> that's why I went, oh shit, because I'm like, oh, there's that's some thunder. Mm. Anyway, so Tony gives the ship full speed, but the gunfire eventually cripples the Elsa and it crash lands atop the giant space flower spire. And with no better choice, and with the Elsa's crew. Engaging in emergency repairs, the party boards the ESs and disembarks to the Ormus stronghold, and that is the end of this section of gameplay. That's how you know it's going to suck to come back here in the Encephalon, because you're in a robot to start with. Right. we hit the wrap-up chat i want to make one little comment about like one of the final cutscenes for this episode which is Mm -hmm. when the elsa gets fired on and get kind of gets rocked shion is about to like fall forward into the the main the main view screen basically like the main the captain's window and cosmos who has magnetized boots is able to just like reach out and grab her and like hold her up by the wrist the game tries to do this thing where Shion is emoting and looks like both like grateful and scared and like scared of falling and also kind of scared of Cosmos. And Cosmos is like protecting Shion, but also looks completely dead because that's Cosmos's whole deal is, oh, she has feelings, but her face is blank like robot. But because of all the new models being way more expressionless, it just kind of looks like everyone is emotionless and it really doesn't work. They try to do so much work with Shion's eyebrow animations uh-huh. to try to make her look like she's emoting and they, she isn't. She looked like she was yeah. holding the poop. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was just completely fucked up from all the uppers and downers still. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's coming down from her high. And it's just she like, does, oh, yeah. God. Fuck, where's the floor? She doesn't have anime eyes. Her pupils are just dilated. Yeah. No, it, they, and they cut back and forth between like the two faces a few times and it just doesn't land at all. Yeah. Nothing's moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. It's just like, <laughs> did you guys forget to put the animation in? Yeah. Uh, they definitely spent all of the money up front and some fucking like real Ava shit. Mm hmm. But without any of them, like, if, if Takahashi had managed to weave in the meta of like the behind the scenes of episode two into the plot of episode two, it could have been an Ava like masterpiece. But instead, we have all <laughs> of the production woes of Ava, but none of the self awareness. I'm going to be honest. I would kill for a 
thinly veiled knockoff anime adaptation of the crisis that was the making of this game. Give oh, me oh. a comedy about this oh. fucking debacle. I have a thing yeah. I'm extremely mad about, by the way. Okay. I spent uh, 30 minutes going back to the tutorial dungeon and running all the way up there. And then I got to that chest uh-huh. you couldn't get. And it was a fucking uh-huh. biosphere. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm so well, upset. Here's, here's the thing, Chris. There are better things in there. You just need to have the decoder number seven, which you ah! get I, from somewhere else. <laughs> oh, so upset. Because <laughs> I think one of the robot arms is there. All right. Let's walk through this because I mentioned this earlier and I didn't flesh it out. Do the Captain Matthews Hangover Cure Quest. Uh-huh. You get Decoder 7. It opens that door. Mm-hmm. Two chests inside. Got one it. is the left arm. Got one it. is the next decoder. I think it's 18. Uh-huh. Use that Don't to know where go that is. to the door on the Damarung. That's that one in the back of the box room. Oh, I guess I did has, do that one. Which has the right arm. So this will let you get all of the stuff. But if you did not finish that quest, all of this is sealed forever. I did get that. I did get both of those because I just did as much cleanup as I could last time. Word. Yeah, I think that's decoder eight. But I was very upset about it just being a fucking a tent. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I did go uh, back to the Encephalon Dive Winter because, <laughs> you know, there's that one door oh, right. you have to drop down to. So oh, I did no. that. Oh, uh-huh. uh, And in there, because in there you get, the stock one spell that's actually pretty good yeah yeah so i i made a point to go get that so that i can like it, at least you know one character for now i think um i have Shion has it right now would be able to add a like a fourth stock to everybody the only three people you want to have that are Shion, momo and chaos because when you stock with that on it proceeds to give you 10 percent ep back Oh, nice. Yeah, because, well, anyone could do that, right? If they have the stock action gives EP um, ability, right? That's the ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that triggers on, well, I guess that I guess it's most useful on them, right? Because they have the highest percentage. They're the only ones who really need one. There's a further evolution that's a bit more handy for everyone. Yeah. We... <sighs> We would talk about party chat here, but instead we're gonna I'm gonna complain about how much it fucking sucks that there's no gear. Yeah, there's not a lot. It makes exploring yeah. suck, right? The reward you get instead of good gear is them making you not feel hobbled because you have all of these skills missing from your menu, and that's what you get instead. So instead of feeling like a positive benefit, it's I'm being slightly less punished now. Yeah. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And it just it contributes to the fact that like there's crunch in like half of the mechanics and then there is just like the removal of crunch in half of the mechanics and it they don't interact in ways that feel good to people who like crunchy jrpgs well the the thing is like the best thing you could find that isn't a new you know filling out skills for a particular level that's not even good it, because you need all of them not, for, to to be worth it for class points. Well, that, that's what I mean is yep, that like you need to do this exploration say. to to get those class points back and whatever. But like the best thing you can really find are the pills that make you give you a lot of skill points so that you don't have to fight more battles. So it's just saving you time. Uh, mm-hmm. But it costs but you time to get. Feel great. Yeah. Yeah, but like the, I like for instance the box I complained about 
in the uh, in the conveyor belt. I believe those were three skill up E's, which are I think five hundred points. Yeah. So like that's worth the trouble. But of course, there are ones where you go and you pick it up, and it's like you got thirty points. Woo, woo, fucking who? Right. <laughs> fucking just bloodborne all over again. But oh, yeah, that's I, I was thinking of that comparison too. It's bloodborne ass. Yeah. Except worse because you don't even get fucking lore. Right. Oh, there's lore in this game. I don't know if you'll enjoy it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Gonna know what the Udu is. You will. Wrapping it up, do we have any closing thoughts on this section of Xenosaga episode two? I do. Yeah. So, like, I like a good puzzle dungeon. So, the actual play of the Damarung section, there were, you know, some Xenosaga to engine frustrations for sure, and some things that could have been designed a lot better but i i it was interesting to make my way through and it felt like a nice change of pace from the last dungeon however with my wrap-up thoughts i want to close in on one wilhelm quote that we left out of the body of the episode because i feel like it fully encapsulates how the writers of episode one clearly read nietzsche jung and lacan and the writers of episode two did not because at one point wilhelm says absolute truth exists outside of the realm of right and wrong and the greater the suffering the more exciting the drama Shut up, and nerd. that shit <laughs> is just a really poor imitation of the philosophizing from the first game just complete dismissive jerk off motion for any anything approaching themes in here right now yeah and those are my thoughts i mean right now all the thematic stuff is just about family right Fast and the Furious. Kind of. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The meme has... Uh... They're in space now, by the way. I guess spoilers for Fast 9. <laughs> Sorry, thinking about Albedo, you don't stick your hand in family. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> no. Fucking yikes. Really, if Nightmare. you think about it, she's practically my sister-in-law, Rubido. <laughs> but he also God. does it to Junior, too. Yeah, I no, know. Junior was the one I was thinking of. Oh, I know. Mm. I just wanted to do that line. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, stepbrother porn is probably also a thing. Oh, yeah. It is. Are you familiar mm. with Supernatural, Chris? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought those were just regular brothers. They also have step-siblings. Uh, Turns out John Winchester fucked everything and everyone. Stepbrothers are just people in your marching band. I oh. Sorry. Do we have anything to share with Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I have a couple thoughts on the end of this. I think I'm the only one who still has the big picture of all this, so I have to bite back so much every time because you're all saying things like, wow, this seems really disjointed, or wow. Wilhelm seems incredibly stupid right now. And I'm like, Wilhelm on the is one the, hand, I want to go, he seems you like the don't villain. even know. Like the real oh, villain is. right now. Straight up. No, not mm -hmm. even going to mince words. Wilhelm is the villain. He is the Pope. He is the super Pope. Fight the There's real enemy. Super Pope? Uh, I was making a Sinead O'Connor joke. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Timely. <laughs> Look. <laughs> <laughs> classic classic old guy shit right there name me a single better way to attack a pope that's not trying to shoot john paul yeah no Sinead Sinead will always be a comrade for that 
Yep. But this this is where the game is most falling apart is the mm. chunk we're in right now because there's conclusion to this but we're in the part that they're just kind of like this happened i can't even talk about and the ds version did some interesting things to retcon this or tweak it up no it's just like uh cutscenes happen after the last thing and you're just on track to the next dungeon mm-hmm. Yeah, if we weren't doing the podcast, I would have no idea what's happening because I'm definitely not taking notes. So it would be really difficult to get the big picture here unless you're really paying close attention. I just can't yeah. get over the betrayal of the fiction and the presentation. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they went so hard so early on and now it's just like everything is a big fart in comparison. Don't do that if you can't keep it up. But, you know, they're going to pull out of that, right, with episode three? Oh, episode three fucking yes. whips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, Unqual- like, unqualified banger in every way. But I, I understand that this is the bad part. But, yeah. like, it's the bad part in ways that are different from it being a bad game, right? Like, not only is it a mm-hmm. bad bad game, it is a bad Xeno saga. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yes. I, I've I've yet to really turn on the mechanics yet like yeah they, oh no i still complain about it and they still suck yeah it, i was told that this was just a hot mess like all the way through with everything and I, i'm sure once we start grinding up es's and stuff i'm gonna start hating it but okay think about these mechanics yeah. when the when enemies have like five times as much hp right, right. yeah you don't no, have that's new gonna, gear it so just long, makes it take yeah. long yeah and also yeah. the fact that you're playing with a guide means that you oh yeah are, like also for bosses <laughs> yeah. and stuff, you know, it's like it, it, the the problem of hiding every boss behind like a repetitive puzzle mechanic essentially is that it also forces you to figure out the puzzle sequences first. And if you're not reading a guide, you're not prepared. And the only way to fix it so that you can do the solution is to grind forever because of the class and the skill yeah. point system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is, I... I've tried to do some of the things the guide tells me to do, and I I don't get it to work just right. So I am like improvising and kind of working through it real time. But okay. I do. You're right. I do have like a good setup and like yeah. You're not you're not going in completely unprepared, and then oops, got to spend five hours fixing this. I just right. feel like that that feels very par for the course for this era of JRPGs, which is I guess well, what I'm. It doesn't so though. It's a huge to. step backwards compared to the last game, right? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Compared and to the last let's game. put into context some of the contemporaries on this platform. FF10 had a very similar freeform development skill system, but you couldn't fuck it up this much. They gave you open, you could not fuck it up this much unless you were in the international version. Better? (laughs) No, I said correct, not incorrect. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, I thought you said incorrect. No one played the international version until like a few years ago. Yeah, and you shouldn't. It's it's one of the worst upgraded versions of any Final Fantasy. Yeah. There's stuff like that. There's Shadow Hearts. Shadow Hearts has a lot of very similar, how do you want to develop some of this stuff? But I don't think anyone while we were doing that season was going, oh, Christ, I did this wrong and I put things in the wrong fusion for Yuri and now I got to do five hours of grinding. Yeah. There well, are the, open... the problem is that Shadow Hearts is like way too easy. It's also true, but it's got a it's got a similar engaging battle system you can't mash through. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it 
Like there are some spikes in there that are pretty nasty, unless you're like Chris and had like plus 30% EXP every time. I'm sorry that I'm good at a video game, Matt, and that you're not. <laughs> but this this is exactly an era where JRPGs were experimenting a lot. Different studios were doing things. This is one of the most catastrophic fuck-ups of mechanics I can think of, because next time we finally take all the training wheels off ESs, and we got to talk about that. Yeah, I'm really, yep. really not excited for the ES dungeon where it, you're going through ES an ES thing in the like for the first time, and, and you don't get anything for your party. Oh, yeah, no. Remind probably you can only have two of the three S's in battle at once, meaning you will have to grind up the third at some point for points. You can just do yeah, like a, I, you can just do like a circle, I guess. Yeah, like funnily enough, I went. When I went back to the tutorial old mission, I started in an ES and I what? fought a few things and I actually leveled up everybody at least once in, in that tutorial dungeon, which was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, weird. Just while we're talking about ESs and because I know I'm going to forget to mention this at the end of the game, uh, there's one neat thing they do in the DS version, which is for the final bosses. They just let you throw the third ES in and field everyone. It's cool. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel like with the E... Well, actually, let's talk about ES battles more when we actually use them for a dungeon. <laughs> yeah, we'll have some discussion next time. Mm -hmm. Do we have any plugs? Yeah, Boku no stop. We have the free version where we are covering monster still. And in the premium version, we are doing G Gundam. Both of those are a lot of fun. Pay us for one of them. Just listen to the other one. They're great. I believe by the next time that uh, after this episode, Matt will return to the monster episodes. Yeah, finally. <laughs> maybe he'll maybe he'll even watch them. <laughs> <laughs> I missed one episode, Chris. And one I mean, out of the, the three. Never, ever, ever. Scene. Never, ever, ever let you forget it, for the record. This will be my new running bit. Ah, uh, fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'll stop ten minutes early, says Matt Marcus, right before the flood of reveals. Well, no, I, I like, we were just going to jump on recording. If I had, like, 15 minutes, I would have watched that last episode. and I You could have just up. asked, and I would have said yes. Yeah, but fuck it. Uh, I can be found at hellscaper.com, and all of my projects are linked there. Uh, you can listen to music that I make if you want at soundcloud.com slash catastrophizer. It's probably better than the music in Xenosaga 2. Oh, assuredly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, you really can listen. feeling your oats there. <laughs> it's, it's not a high bar. Yeah, for real. Imagine being the like the Korg person who is in charge of this deal where you got your branding on it, and then that being the music in the game. Mm. What a fucking powerful own on Korg. Mm. <laughs> you can listen to Riot Eyes podcast Lightning Strikes Thrice Extreme by visiting our Patreon at pitchtrop.cash and kicking in as little as a buck a month. It's this podcast, but about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. We are now talking about high-end raid content. Yeah. That's all until next time. We won't be talking about the Ormish Stronghold. Peace out, fuckers. Bye. Yeah. Farewell. Yeah.
Chief, uh, are you sure you want to do this? If we go any further, getting fired will be the least of our problems. Oh, be a man already. 